Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to be talking Corn Black Layer. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at Nick Offerman's new take on regenerative agriculture. Ag History Minute, we'll talk Harvest Moon. Cool Beans, that's corny. We'll have some current events and we'll wrap things up with a Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schombert. Hey guys. Todd Schombert. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Not a great weekend for sports. <laughs> we talked it all do up we, last week. Do we need a moment of silence for the Brewers' season? For every well, how are you doing, Bill? For our murder, getting murdered by the Lions. The Brewers are out. I was over last night when I went to bed, and then I turned on sports radio this morning, and no, I'm not. <laughs> and the seasons are always weird because you're you get so excited for playoffs, and then. These games, you know, you yeah. lose, you're out. You're out. Playoffs. Yeah. So Who's talking about playoffs? Yeah. Playoffs. And Brewers have always been like, always the bridesmaid, never the bride kind of thing. Yep. They're so we one. I saw a stat, I think, last night. They're one and 10 in their last 11 playoff games. Whew. So, yeah. I mean, better than the streak that the. The Minnesota Twins were on. Yeah, they just broke. They just that they broke. had yeah. lost, like, yeah, longest ever streak of losing in the playoffs. So at least we got something better than than them. But I knew on Monday when Woodruff basically yeah. said he's done for the year. Like our, our strength is pitching and defense, and now our ace pitchers, of, yeah, yeah, is out. Like, okay, yeah. that's bad. And then Tuesday happens, and. Your former Sung former Cy Young winner and the best closer in baseball blow the game for you, like okay, like blow number two, right? Like, right. And then they were all year, like to really like they had ninety whatever two wins, so that's great. But all year, like they were always just like one hit away. And it happened Monday or Tuesday, and it happened Wednesday. There's they, a lot had, of Bases loaded, loaded yeah. all the time, and it was like one hit. Like Tuesday night, they, they should have had they double. no outs. Yeah, no outs with bases loaded. Yeah. Should have had the double, and and Longoria snow coned it and got a double play. Like just yeah, they just were just one break away from really doing okay. And yeah, can you win a World Series that way? Like always having to have one break. I mean the. That is though, the Nationals like kind of did it. Like they kind of beat us, and then they went on to win. But, but you're right. We had no in the playoffs, especially. It feels like we catch no breaks. Yeah, and we always make just the, that one dumb little mistake. Yeah, Yelich overrun in the base, and just you know, just stuff for you. Like, yeah, they they just enough to lose the game for you. It's it's a a fun season, but at the same time, when you keep losing this way, it does. It's weird how old that gets. Yeah. It is weird. <laughs> and we're not always used to that. I guess we are used to that with the Packers, too. They make the playoffs enough and don't really do much. So Yeah. Yeah. I'll put it this way. is People always say teams like the Packers or the Brewers are like, well, you know, you should be thankful you made the playoffs and you're not going to win them all. And it's like, 
yeah, but it is harder when you get your hopes up and then it gets torn down. Yeah, where right. if you just suck all year, that's a lot easier than you're just and happy the, by some of the so, small wins and all so that. So is it better to, like, the Brewers go one and out or, like, the Packers go, like, two, three games in and, and then lose? And all, yeah. No, I... At least the one and out two, you're not drag because because right. they always you change your expectations too. Like, oh, maybe we'll make the World Series, or yeah, maybe maybe, chance. maybe and yeah. and there's not. So, just being out right away, we'd have lost to the Dodgers anyway. Does Arizona have any chance against the Dodgers? Because Arizona honestly looked good. They, they looked very. And the good. good part about Arizona with the pitching staff they have, their number two pitcher starts on Saturday, and the guy the, that just beat us. To win right, their they series gets to go the next day. So think if you're Arizona, you didn't use up like nothing. anything. Right. No. You didn't use anything up. And their That's, bullpen, like our bullpen was the best like since August fifteenth or something. Like we have Brewers had a really good bullpen and that's what carried us. They have the second best bullpen. Sure. And and you saw that. Yeah. And they did look good. Yeah. They had um nine and I heard this morning nine and a third innings of scoreless over those two games the bullpen had. So they did really well. So it's a bummer. I'll be curious to see what happens. Now, Council doesn't have a contract, so is he back? Is he going to take a year off and watch his kids? Is he going to go to the Mets with Stearns? He's going to get double the pay if he goes there, but right. does he want to coach in New York? Milwaukee did New York City is kind of a different Oh, yeah. all right. <laughs> almost, like, almost like Green Bay to New York City. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's huge. Like, that's a big different culture shock for him, I would imagine. He's a Wisconsin guy. He loves the Brewers. Maybe that doesn't matter. I don't know. I like him as a manager. I think he's a good manager. I think we're hampered because Antonio is not going to spend. Like, like, the reason the, the Nationals teams. won was they had some – they sucked – they got some good players, and then they fortified that with free agents, right? They, yep. they opened their pocketbook. Yep. We can have good players like Burns and Woodruff, and but they're not going to go get Bryce Harper. Right. Like They're yeah. never going to do that. Right. So we're probably always going to be the bridesmaid. Yeah. I'm okay with that. At least we were asked to be in the wedding. This <laughs> yeah, year. right. Yeah. Got a like, spot. Yeah. We're not like sitting in the back pew just... Todd's full All 27 sad, dresses so. on this one. Yes. He's like, yep, yeah, I'll buy a new dress every year <laughs> just to show up to the just party. To, I'm disappointed we didn't go. Like, I'm glad that the Cubs weren't there, and then this happened to us against the Cubs because it would have been Wrigley North. We went to the game Saturday night. I've never been to a home stadium where it was louder cheering for the, the opponent than the our own team. Like that's that crazy. I mean, they weren't out yet, technically. That night, like that's this, when by they, our game at the seventh inning, they were out. They were out, but, but still, that many they scored fans. all their runs right away. So, and think of playoff baseball, they would have. Yeah. That would have been. You're right. That would have been a disaster. Yeah. Kind of like all the Lions fans in Lambeau on Thursday. Yeah. That's been odd because it's very differing opinions you get from people of how many. Like some people are taking. I don't know. That was a pretty good picture of a blue wall behind the bench. That some people are taking. Like now they'll take a whole picture of every fan at the game, and you can like, and they're counting like the blue shirts and everything. Sure. And was, the Lions fans, and it's between like twenty and forty percent. Which on a Thursday game, and Lions are actually seemingly good now, so people travel and 
Uh, people are just saying that's the new NFL now too. Like you can't expect. Yeah, like I've heard that too. Like Packer fans travel to go see them, and what always blew me away when I would go to games and we'd sit by people from that were of the opposing team. Most of the time, they were from the Green Bay area, and that shocked me. Sure, that they were. like because I had a Cowboys game, and the guy behind me is a Cowboys fan. Which Cowboys is maybe a bad example because they're America's team. What are you talking? Well, about? no, but <laughs> they and they uh, and he's like, oh yeah, I'm from Oshkosh. I'm like, oh okay, like what? Do you, yeah, so but is that the deal like, though? So like, there's these smattering of fans, fans all, in, over, all over, and, and like now's my opportunity to go, to go see my team. Right. right. Bronco, I remember two out of going to a Broncos game and we were by two Broncos fans and they were from lacrosse or something. So right. it's, it is, you're probably right. Is And Lambo's a bucket list thing, right? Like right. It is a, puts that a on their bucket list. To, yeah. I would say having said that and knowing what number, our kids are like 125,000 on the waiting list. Like there should be a way also to like boot people off these that, that are just yeah that are just selling tickets now yeah. i sell three games to pay for the whole season yeah, yeah. and then the playoff game i can get my money back if i sell three games well, or it's, whatever it's always is. interesting because that would have been a gold package so it's the milwaukee right, it's ticket holder or whatever which isn't even that anymore because it's not you get a choice of green or gold package oh is it now if like i just if had you a client come up, yeah just had yeah. a client oh, that yeah. got his name pulled and he picked the milwaukee game like you usually have the to wait longer. Package. You you have to wait longer for the green package. So sure, got it. You, Which I feel like I would pick gold, gold package would be kind of sweet. You're guaranteed just three games. Two, yeah, the three. I mean, it, one of them's a preseason, which stinks. But yeah, which I don't even know how that works anymore too. With because preseason's weird now with three games and they're not. I wonder going to play two home games. You're right. They or, probably get rid so of. So I think the, it's every other year. Right. Or every two true. years, maybe you get true. one. But it's also less, like you said, Bill, less chance you would think that you would sell the tickets because you only get two games, mm-hmm. but you don't choose the two games either. And Thursday night, that's, that is, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, Mondays are probably just as bad, but Thursdays just do seem like you, you coming from Milwaukee, say they truly were, that's a legit excuse that yeah. you're not going to drive up to. What's interesting, too, is like I talked to, we had a wedding this last weekend. I was talking to one of my mom's cousins, and he's like, oh, yeah, I got tickets from the game from some trucker in Minnesota that always sends me tickets. I'm like, why does this some trucker in Minnesota have season tickets, tickets to the Packers? But, yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of, lots of tickets out there, lots of different places that get traded around. And Have you heard, like, what hotel rooms in Vegas or anything like that is going for this? Now oh, that for the Monday night game? For the Monday night game. I really wanted to go, and then I thought about it, and I'm like, they're just going to... Jack, everything could could maybe find an Airbnb somewhere. Yeah, with like thirty other people, really more of a hostel at that point. But have they said if Devontae's going to play or not? Yes. Sweet. Do you think this is the Devontae Adams revenge game? I I don't. What does he get? He's doesn't. uh, They got four days to make the trade. I mean, (laughs) he seemed to be quite not okay with it, but that was a pretty good. I don't know. It, it was okay when he left. We we still like him. This is total fantasy, but uh, just reading like it's your fantasy Twitter and all, no, it's not necessarily my fantasy. But you know, a lot of people are like, oh well, because we were supposedly in the running for Jonathan Taylor. Yes, but they wanted Christian Watson, and we weren't going to give up Watson, and their price was too high. 
Correct. But what if you've made like an NBA style three way trade? <laughs> we trade for Devontae, then trade Devontae for Taylor. It could work. I don't, know, I don't know what the Raiders end up getting, but. Why don't we send somebody to the Raiders? The Raiders send Devontae to the Colts, and we get. Or, yeah. Jonathan Taylor. That would make more sense, yeah. But they don't do those kind of trades generally no, in no. the NFL. Anyhow, let's go from the silver and black to black layer. How's that? Ooh, I like that. Ooh, nice transition. Ooh. Nice transition. All right. So that's our topic for today. We're talking black layer. So, Bill, what do you got for us? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we, we had an intermission there with our weather talk last week, but we talked uh, milk line. So what's the next step after milk line, guys, is black layer. Half milk so line. Half milk line. <laughs> Three quarters milk line. So basically, black layer is the indicator of physiological maturity. Have you guys found any corn there yet? Oh, yeah. Yes. I have not. Really? So you got to start looking. It's there. Yeah, it's there. Yeah. I've been more north looking. Sure. For, for they've had more rain up there, so it's a little harder to find. I was looking for some yesterday, but around here, I uh, had some stuff last I'm week sure. already black layered. So. I think I it do want to say black rate. layer is my favorite physiological maturity sign. Alfalfa, we got flowering that you could tell it's maturing and put seed pods on. Soybeans. I like when they're yellow, like, like the yellow state. Like this, yeah. Not like, like soybeans, you can kind of, I was going to say it's the rattling in the pods sure, on sure, soybeans, sure. you yep. can kind of tell. And wheat, I don't know, it just gets harder. There's really no, I mean, it gets the head start to tip. And, yeah. But like, to me, black layer is like in your face, like the most easiest sign. You, you know, yes, you do got to pour the kernel and scratch so you have, it. You have to, yeah, dig for it. It's not a but it's like, easy to see sign. Right. Yeah. It's not like in your face that way, but it is the easiest of the sign. Like, I guess you're right. Alfalfa is the easiest because from the road you can see flowers. Right, you can tell, yeah. So you know it's more mature. But corn, like, that is the coolest that it's just like, there's, like, a, there's a distinct fuel gauge in the milk line going down, and then you get your empty light with your black layer. Like full it's, light. Yeah, full light, sure. So, like, it is just... My favorite that way that you can really tell and like, gauge for corn because you're happy you're like it. harvest is here and we've made it and we've done our. I'm just glad that there's that much of a sign. Like imagine if it was wheat and you didn't really know yeah. going into fall. Like, well, shoot, yeah, I don't know. There's no black. Well, you're chewing on corn, I, right? To figure out if they're right. ready, and you'd have to sort of test for mo- like this. You know, okay, it's black layered. I know I can test for moisture now and just We're see what sure. it's at. Right. It, yep. It just is a, a very very. Really neat sign and very, you know, like you said, it's not necessarily easy to find, but it's in your face when you scrape that away and see it. Yeah, and it's generally, I think the rule of thumb is around 30% when we hit black layers. So like you said, moisture-wise, we know kind of where, we're, where we stand um, as we move for first high moisture and then fully dry corn. But I think it does vary. There's... um Iowa State research where milk line is 35%, or excuse me, black layer. Black layers, and then differing yeah. milk lines, they got it down, like three-quarter milk line, you're at 37. And then, but I have seen that can vary a little bit too. Yeah. And, and depending how, basically how much moisture is in that kernel can be different, but it's pretty close to that. So one thing to, right now, say you are in a black layer, like you said, Bill, um, you can look at sort of growing degree days to get you an idea when you'll hit black layer. And so it takes 
you know, to get to get down to black layer takes about 200 growing degree days from when you first see the milk line till the end. So you do need some sort of heat to finish you off. But what's odd is the research out there, at first they didn't know why it would form a black layer or what would cause it, especially the what would cause it. And one of the first papers on it, they used to call it closing layer in the 1930s. And that's when they first detailed this sort of structure. And the black layer then by some Nebraska scientists was first sort of detailed again in 1950s. So kind of this research was ongoing. I'm surprised before that they wouldn't have detailed that for how long they've been researching corn. And there were some Canadian researchers that actually produced, like Danyard and Duncan in 1969, they proposed that the survival mechanism of sort of sugars and photosynthesis I'm not going to say got it words are hard Borophil. that that basically they found out that black layer had more to do with when sugars was reduced in the plant and that would cause it to sh- to shut off and sort of cause this black layer in the kernel so and it's easy to see it's that dark layer and it kind of turns dark you know as those cells change and that and they actually collapse and then it causes a barrier and stops the movement of sugars so as that kernel is sensing lower sugars it sort of creates that layer and and that's what tells us so one thing to think about too is you think well we got to that gdu number well we had record heat in early october this year that 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 if that plant was still green it was still creating sugars and still. and you may not have gotten black layer when you thought because the sugar levels didn't decrease. So we're which going, is good, right? I mean, it's I, still putting starch. Could in the be, ear. but you also want it to just be done and start to dry down. Sure, sure. So you might be a little wetter than you think. However, your yields are going to increase through that, like you say, because you're you're gaining gaining that. Especially way. for us with silage, with the difference in maturities we had and the plant moisture was lower in comparison to the ear moisture this year. So, well, that was interesting too. You know, we talked moisture. There was a chart on this one article that your relative maturity affects moisture at black layer formation too. So they're, they're showing in the chart that it can differ quite a bit. Okay. That makes sense. So that's why it's different. It's not like a varietal thing. It's probably somewhat varietal, but yeah, but like you say, it's a, it's a which that makes sense. Say your say your sugars got reduced at an earlier stage, then you know it would start out as a wetter kernel. So yeah, that seems to impact it both ways. But yeah, it's interesting to see how much of a difference there can be. I have seen something too where I call it like gray layer it's not quite black layer right and i the more i looked into that because i've seen even silage at certain times like put on a gray layer where it seems like the the moisture isn't getting out of that kernel as much as it should and there's a kind of this progression of the black layer that it will you know start out a little bit more gray looking and then you get that real deep black layer to it and 
so there is a progression there too that you can have um, different sort of different amounts of black layer. You think like once it was black layer, you're black layer, but there is sort of a gray layer stage as a little gradient that happens. Yeah, so that's something you can watch too when you when you look at it. So. But yeah, the sugar part, did you guys know that? That was something I learned in this that I thought it was more of like, well, you hit certain GDUs and it yeah, just formed black layer. But that's well, when we look at seed guides, that's what it always says is like GD, GDUs to, you know, black layer sometimes in that description. So you just figure, yeah, it's based on that, that day length, not necessarily the sugar part. So yeah, no, that was something new I learned as well. The decrease in sugars creates the plant to put on that black layer to stop the flow to the kernel and tell us we're we're ready to dry down now which makes sense that there'd be a physiological process that stops at physiological maturity so i do th- the research on that was neat cuz they basically it was like a hail storm that i think made them cuz it made it was a real late hailstorm defoliated and it made some corn go to black layer so then they kind of were hypothesizing why, and basically what they could figure out was like this sugar change. Then. Sure. And then the they stress did, of the plant. Right. They did more research because you can get black layer related stress too from drought or from hail. And that's why, because the sugars, you know, just get reduced by so much. So, but he didn't read, I was wondering if they did the opposite too, where you just go like apply a whole bunch of sugar to that plant at the end of the season to try to get it to not black layer. I'm assuming you could do that. I, I didn't read that that's what they did, but um, just was a really neat neat way to look at it. So for your corn growers plot, is that, that's the strategy? There we go. To get more is that what sugars? you're doing, Todd, with your, just sugars with at your the end. TTR just plot? The, yeah. You're taking sugar in yes. your pocket? Like, yeah, he's, uh, he's yep. been pouring two pounds no, of I, granulated sugar. No, these are IVs. You go right into the xylem, shoot go. it up. <laughs> It's Let's not like Shawshank where you go out and like <laughs> shake it out of your pants and yeah. no one's seeing you. Just going to go for a little walk out here. Da, 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 da. If we're not doing moisture corrected, well, we're, it's moisture corrected in our plot. So that would yeah. screw up my moisture. Sure. sure. So, yeah. So we're the, all happy when it gets the black layer, right? It's like, it's going to make grain. You know, we got a lot of dairies, so they're planting different maturities and most of the time they're taking everything for silage, but I've had guys that had enough silage where some fields that were supposed to be chopped aren't because they're full and it's like, okay, is this corn gonna make Right, is it gonna, is it gonna make get grain to the end or yeah, so is it gonna be mush after when we get to that point, it's like, Okay, we're good. We well, can go about our plans. Well and that's kinda your frost safety level for your corn to a certain extent is if it's black layered. There'll be potentially frost this weekend in parts of I the state. I did see that Saturday, Sunday morning. Yeah, they're Saturday night into Sunday. They're talking pretty low temperatures, particularly to the north. So I don't think it's going to be a hard frost. It looked like still like just at freezing, so not a a potential killing frost. But so watch out on those low areas, as but yeah, uh, the lows. Yeah, Dale, our meteorologist, said last week. It is weird how we're going from a yeah warmer. They they were showing colder though than what it's going to be. So it'll be interesting how cold it does get. Right. Considering we were almost ninety. On right. Tuesday. I mean, we we're breaking records in in heat. So yeah, it's a different, very different year. Yep. We're gonna have a 
at least oh, we're pretty close to a 20 degree swing between today and tomorrow for highs. So lovely. I told my That's kids fun. when they walked out of the house this morning, like, yep, this is the high for tomorrow, what it was this morning. <laughs> sure. It was pretty close. It was like 52. Mm-hmm. So, like, my son's like, what? As he's standing there in shorts. So. Is his sweatshirt in his backpack? Uh, he had No, he had sweatshirt on. Okay. My daughter, however, has not worn a sweatshirt all week, even though it's been a little cooler some mornings. So. Yep. Mine always go to school with sweatshirts or whatever, and then they come home and it's in their backpack. Yeah, it's usually in the backpack by the end of the day. All right, so there you go. Black layer, the physiological maturity of corn. We're seeing it in some places, and hopefully you'll be seeing it soon in your field as we continue through this harvest of 2023. Now we'll move into our spotlight for today. So a little bit different spotlight this week. We've got... Uh, Nick Offerman, who if you are a Parks and Rec fan or have seen any number of uh, different shows that he's been in in recent years, he did The uh, uh, the Last of Us was the show I saw him in not too long ago. But uh, yeah, kind of comedian. He does a lot of woodworking. In fact, I think he even had a woodworking show for a while on, on some channel. Uh, but he is now out there and talking regenerative agriculture in his new ad they put out. So, Todd, I think you got a queued yeah, up for us. Here. Hey, down here, it's me, the ground. Now, look, I don't like to make a fuss. I've grown accustomed to people walking all over me. Jeez. But generations of chemicals and tilling have left me spent and lifeless. Right out. Flaky, like dust in the wind. <coughs> but the good news is we can change this and literally bring me back to life. How? Planting cover crops between harvests protects the ground and helps make the soil healthy again. And I can fight climate change. Check this out. I can suck in carbon from the atmosphere and put a little something back in it. Join me. When you plant cover crops... You make soil happy. <laughs> make soil happy. Make soil happy. I think that should be his tagline. <laughs> Maybe our tagline. Yeah, I think we want happy soil, productive soil. So yeah, the vi- the video has like basically you see a face in, in the, the ground. in the soil. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. It's. It's neat. It's good. It's good people like it's, we did the the got wood commercials yep. by another Parks and Rec. Uh, yep, that was um, uh, Aubrey Plaza Aubrey did that Plaza, one, yep, yep. and then so yeah, I don't know if they're going to keep going through right. all the Parks and Rec people. Amy are going, Kohler's yes. probably up, or so, Rob Lowe perhaps. Is which he, Chris is in it, Pratt or Chris Pratt? Yes, he, that yeah. So we'll get the the whole gamut in the agriculture industry to weigh in <laughs> on what they say, but. Yeah, like maybe the next nut milk commercial that they come up with, they'll get one of those guys in. It's juice. It's I know. juice, it's, man. It's, but nut juice sounds so wrong on TV, on podcast. What are you talking about? But yeah, so far, this one's so it's put out by the NRDC. 
Yeah, the National yeah. Resource Defense Council or Natural Resource Defense Council, I think is and that stands. Twelve thousand views so far. So not hasn't really twelve thousand and one. Twelve thousand and two. No, twelve thousand thirty four. Over two weeks. Yeah. yeah. So, so they have twenty five thousand subscribers, so not even all their subscribers have, have watched, watched it. it. Is uh this Nick Offerman, is he like a known dude, it's Ron Swanson. I know what he is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm saying like how is he tied to agriculture? Oh, or is oh, it just I, a happenstance that they got a, I think a known guy? Pulled in a known they're guy. getting voices and that kind of thing, yes. I think. Okay. Yeah. He is, I know who he is. I'm just saying, why is he doing a commercial for agriculture? Yeah. That's all. He actually would have made more sense for the wood milk commercial because he does a lot of woodworking. That's like his thing. Sure. But, uh, but yeah, no, I don't think he's got any direct ties to agriculture. But... Neither did every person on them got milk poster that Fair. ever had when we Fair. were kids. It was, you know, I don't think Michael Jordan's ever milked a cow. No. Okay. So. You got me. <laughs> move along. All right. Well, that's our spotlight for today. Now we'll move into our egg history minute. So just recently, we had a harvest moon. In fact, it was a blue harvest moon. So blue moon being two full moons in a month's time. And now you have, or in the same month, the harvest moon, which always sounds cool. You know, harvest festivals, harvest time of year to have the harvest moon. So why is it the harvest moon? So why do they call it that? Well, it... The harvest moon usually results in an abundance of bright moonlight early in the evening, which was a traditional aid to farmers and crews harvesting their summer-grown crops, hence the harvest moon. So before we had lights on tractors, we had the big natural ball of light up in the sky, which was the harvest moon. Todd, do you think chiropractors like the harvest moon better than the lights? (laughs) You always said chiropractors told you that lights were the worst thing for farmers. Oh, right. Because kept, you kept, kept them in the yes, tractor. Yeah, Do you think yeah. the harvest moon was like? probably the same back then? Yeah. Okay. Because you just keep going. And <laughs> Sorry, man. Sidetrack. Nope, that's fine. So there are twelve, uh, just over twelve complete moon cycles every year. On average, uh, the harvest moon isn't like other moons. Usually, throughout the year, the moon rises an average of about fifty minutes later each day. But for the few nights around the harvest moon, the moon seems to rise at nearly the same time, just 25 to 30 minutes later across the northern U.S., and only 10 to 20 minutes later farther north in Canada and Europe. Additionally, the harvest moon rises at sunset and then will rise very near... I think that might be a typo. It says, harvest moon rises at sunset and then will rise very near sunset for several nights in a row before the difference is at a yearly minimum. So it's may almost seem as if there are full moons multiple nights in a row with the harvest moon. So kind of a neat... Um, I mean, the, there's a lot of different names. There's blood moons, harvest moon, hunter's moon, but harvest moon is this time of year our favorite and kind of a neat way that it's used as a tool by farmers. I was having a hard time finding it because blue moon happens every two or three years. And like a blue harvest moon... Whoa. I was trying to figure out when it happens next, and it's a while, but I couldn't yeah. quite find it. Well, and then there's something, too, with, like, super moons, too, and then there's blue super oh, yeah. moon was another thing that got talked about. And this one was a... No. Uh, I don't think this one was, but no, the, right. the last, last one. one week. So there were two sets of blue moons, I think, this year. 
I remember right, which I may not. But yeah, once in a blue moon, because it usually doesn't happen a lot. There's also some sort of movie reference to a Harvest Blue Moon having to do with Peter Pan and Pixies. So I thought that was interesting. <laughs> like, like there's some lore to it as well yep. of what can happen on a Harvest Blue Moon. So the bonus fact for today's History Minute, what is a supermoon? Looked it up on NASA's website here. So when the moon is at its at or near its closest point to Earth at the same time it's full, it's called a supermoon. Ooh. Close and so full during this event because the moon full moon is a bit closer to us than usual. It usually appears especially large and bright in the sky. And yeah, the like we said, a blue moon is twice having a full moon is twice in a single month. So, do you guys like blue moon beer? I have. Do you consumed. get it with the orange in it, or depends no on where fruit? you go. Some people offer it, some don't. Sometimes they just give you the beer without asking. I like the Blue Moon Bar in Madison. Yep. That's, is that still there? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever been to that one. I might check that one out on Saturday. You should drink some Blue Moon at the Blue Moon at Bar. The blue Moon. On a Blue Moon. With that, a blue, that should they, be their they specialty have like a, at the Blue Moon I think they have a thing. blue cheese burger. I think Ooh. that's their specialty. With That'd a Blue good. Moon beer? Well, Yeah. It might be a lot of blue. It's owned by Coors now. It's good. I don't know if it's good, but... Miller Coors? Yeah. They own everything. And not Anheuser-Busch? Well, that's all there is, is SAB Miller and... SAB Miller Coors, or whatever their name is now, and InBev, yeah. which is it's Anheuser. So if it doesn't belong to one, it belongs to the other. Well, good. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to our listeners. Hopefully you had a good harvest moon out there last week. Please subscribe to the podcast and tell a farmer friend. On Apple Podcasts, you can search Tilth Talk Radio. And now on Google, so if you got an Android phone or, I don't know, the Google phone, what do they call the Google phone? Pixel. Yeah. There is Google Podcasts now available. So you can just search Tilth on Google Podcasts and it's all right there. So you can get another app. They got other ones, but Google now has Google Podcasts. So it's pretty easy on both phones now to get us. So please tell a farmer friend about the podcast. You can also listen on your computer and smartphone browser. Go to tiltheg.com slash podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook and X, formerly Twitter, at Tilth Talk Radio. All right. Thanks, Todd. Now it's time for our Cool Beans That's Corny with some current events. So, Cool Beans? Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Cool Beans. Our Cool Beans this week. Case IH has broken their own horsepower threshold with the new Steiger 715 quad track. It's being marketed as the highest horsepower Steiger tractor ever. The Steiger 715 quad track headlines the updates of the model year 2024 Steigers from Case IH. So it was built with farmer feedback from the drawing board, and farmers told manufacturers they needed to cover more ground in less time. So according to Tom Curley, the global product manager for Case IH Steiger Tractors, customers have been asking for more horse- horsepower to improve productivity in the field. This entire five-year process involved farmers, and it's resulted in the largest Steiger ever built. 
So in the 715 unveils a new heavy-duty undercarriage, which helps deliver power to the ground and support a road speed two miles faster, two miles an hour faster than before. So it can go two oh. whole two miles an hour faster. It also has longer track design, ability to have dual Pro 1200 displays, new hood, redesigned exhaust and LED lighting, increased fuel capacity of up to 520 gallons, 27% more LED lighting, redesigned exhaust, and an updated cab with new headliner and premium sound. So you can listen to Tilt Talk Radio as you're driving your news tiger. And going two miles an hour faster. And going two miles an hour faster. And having 715 horses to back you there. Jerry Seinfeld's got the best bit on uh, comparing horsepower to horses. Yeah, here, you gotta listen, it's great. Why do we even use the term horsepower? Is that to further humiliate horses? The space shuttle rockets have 20 million horsepower. Is there any point in still comparing it to the horses? Or any chance of going back to using rockets with horses, trying to keep track of how many we're gonna need? Hey, horses, the rocket engines broke down. Can you get 20 million friends together really fast? 20 million, that's a lot. So yes, you will need 715 horses to get together to... Might take an, an entire Amish community or two to go yes. that many horses. But at least we could, we have the comparison yet, just to further humiliate the horses, like he says. That's great. <laughs> All right, that's corny this week. Half of Kansas farmers' soybeans are in the poor or very poor shape. So with the above average temperatures and below normal precipitation, the challenges for Kansas soybean farmers are real as we get into October. 50% of the state's soybeans, as I said, are in poor or very poor shape. Kansas currently has the worst soybeans in the country. USDA has rated Kansas soybeans at 20% very poor, 30% poor, 32% fair, only 16% good, and a whopping 2% excellent. Uh, as of the end of last week, which is a slight decline from the previous week. So it's bad enough that you've got bad beans, but when the ratings get worse as time goes on, that's never good. So soybeans harvested in Kansas uh, reached 24% for the the last week. This is well ahead of the five-year average of around 11%, and ahead of last year this time when 18% of soybeans had been harvested. So they're just about a quarter of the way finished already in Kansas. Guess what Kansas's yield by state was last year? How many bushels per acre? 63. Mm, 58. 27. Oh. So I don't even know like what why are they average? Yeah. Why are they growing? I mean so they were they were I think it was that dry Texas 20. So I think this was that they were cuz they were dry last year. Wisconsin 54. So it's we number 6. 2023 is the we're shaping up to be the 51st driest year in history. So it's not even the driest year that Kansas has had. 51st. There's 50 of them. I, I can't, for harvest numbers you hear coming in, it is just wild out there, both locally and throughout the Midwest. Any of, bean numbers come in yet? Yeah, I mean, some good, some like okay, but all pretty good. I don't know, you know, like 50s and 60s. Nice. So... So that's been good, and but you hear all kinds of, like, this is going to be an extremely hard crop to predict the final yield. All crops are hard, 
But I don't think the markets know what they want to do with this kind of information because you got yeah too many know, variables. You got Kansas is the worst ever. Well, they weren't that great last year anyway, so it's not like you're that so much is it different. Just clickbait, and, right? Well, maybe. And you're right. Is it clickbait? And yeah, but if they were terrible last year and it's worse than last year, that's right. That would something be bad. too. Yeah. So they'll go to 18 bushels. But I don't know, like in the same way that Wisconsin corn doesn't move the market. Yeah. I don't know yeah. that Kansas soybeans no. No. do that no, either. Yeah. So, Kansas wheat maybe. but yeah, yeah, right. So anyway, it's just a very, it'll be the next month to watch the markets will be interesting because they'll probably hold unless there's some really true big news on what this drought has done or, or whether it's done anything, if it's just been able to yield through the drought or not. Yeah. All right, now we'll wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. So this week we're looking at a, another marketing campaign, this one from Iowa State football players for pork. And their Purchase More Ham and Bacon campaign has taken off. So it's four football players, Miles Purchase, Tyler Moore, Tommy Hammond, and Caleb Bacon all standing side-by-side in order of, that says purchase more ham and bacon with a picture of a ham and a pile of bacon. So seems pretty fitting for Iowa, which is a big pork state, that they would have four football players with the convenient names that line up for this advertisement. So it is kind of a cool nod, both the football program and the pork industry that they've able to pull together here. So I feel like Iowa does a very good job with partnering with their state's college programs. Because you look, I forget if it's Iowa or Iowa State's basketball court has a big Pioneer logo on it. Like, yep. they do a really good job of, and if you think about it, all these guys are sitting in their tractors listening to an Iowa State football game or a Iowa game. And I mean, we'll get, we get some too. Yeah, they'll be dealing seeds and the Case H red zone. Yep. So there's some, but I would agree with you. Iowa seems to have it figured out. Even compared to like Nebraska, you'd think Nebraska would be plastered with yeah. just corn stuff everywhere. And it's, yeah, it is more Iowa. Even whoever came up with, you know, saw these guys out in the field and right. was like, hey, the, well, hey let's, let's, you guys stand together. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, October is National Pork Month, also known as Porktober. So, what? Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's the thing. Uh, apparently, is according to this article. So, uh, yeah. So that makes the timing even uh, work out better. How's your pork over? Yeah, I, don't, I didn't. I guess I'm gonna have to eat more pork this month. Catch up on my porktober. I had a good pork timber. I don't know. Do we have to give out bacon for trick or treating? Yeah. Is that yes. Like, here you go, kids. That'd be <laughs> awesome, actually. You would be the po- most popular yeah. beer and bacon for the adults and just bacon for the kids. All right. And that'll do it for this week. So thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. So this week we talked black layer for corn and what that means in terms of maturity. In our spotlight, we took a look at Nick Offerman's new campaign for regenerative agriculture and protecting the soil. Ag History Minute, we talked about the Harvest Moon. Our Cool Beans this week was Case IH breaking its own horsepower threshold with a new Steiger. Our That's Corny was Kansas Farmers 
seeing poor or very poor soybeans for over half their crop. And our Field Good Friday was a Iowa State football player pork campaign with purchase more ham and bacon. So thanks for listening, and as always, happy farming. Happy farming.